When it comes to mood changes that can be attributed to a woman's menstrual cycle, we, we kind of have two big categories. We have premenstrual syndrome, known as PMS, and we have premenstrual dysphoric disorder, known as PMDD. So PMS impacts up to three out of every four women with a menstrual period. And when we think about PMS, symptoms include, but are not limited to, to things like mood swings, crying spells, acne breakouts, yeah, food <laughs> cravings, or breast tenderness, weight gain due to fluid retention, things like that. So that's kind of PMS. And so when we think about PMDD, that's PMS to the max. So PMDD, or premenstrual dysphoric disorder, those women can have everything that you have with PMS, but additionally, they note sadness or hopelessness, anxiety or tension, extreme moodiness, mm -hmm. or marked irritability or anger. And in fact, some women with PMDD will be diagnosed with bipolar disorder or another psychiatric illness just because the symptoms can be so similar. Hey guys, we are back at it again with another episode of Periodsis. I'm your host, Mandy B, and we are brought to you this week, none other than the official box owner. Again, I am sharing this platform to not only learn, but also continue sharing the stories of brave women, strong women, and pretty much the everyday woman. Yes, you never know what someone is going through. And this week we are going to learn about a woman who is really going through three different things all at once. We have talked plenty of times here on the platform about PCOS, but what if you had PCOS, fibroids, and something called PMDD? That's right. We're talking about something new today here on Period Sis. So I'm super excited to get into yet another journey and another tale of womanhood for women by women. And hi, guys. Today, I am joined by Stephanie, who is an EMT in training. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Mandy. And thank you for creating this platform. I am going to girlfriend for a little bit because I've been following <laughs> you from Horrible Decisions since 2017. Um, Y'all are dope. And to have this podcast for us when, you know, our health is not always front and center. It's right. really important and it will always be out there in the world forever. So, as a reference. well, I'm just glad that you're brave to kind of first off to have reached out to want to share your story. I'm super grateful for that, of course. And thank you for also listening to my whole ass podcast. Uh, because again, I, I think the health aspect of us, it does literally go from the bathroom to the bedroom and our partners, so many of them don't even know what we're going through either. Right. Um, and so I, let's start, I guess maybe before you was popping that pussy. Uh, <laughs> let's go back to adolescence. Let's go back to maybe when you realized your cycle, your menstrual was not quote unquote normal. So, you know, it really came down to physicals. Like when they literally will ask you, when's the last menstrual cycle you had? And unfortunately, because my period, so I'll, I'll start by saying I received my first period in middle school. Okay. And it was pretty regular, I would say, up until high school. And then when I would go to physicals, they'd ask, when's the last time you had your period? And I literally would say, I don't know. Or I, I didn't, we didn't have apps back then to track 
or so there was no reference point for me to look at. But it was so regular for me to not have a period that I never even thought about, oh shit, I don't have a period. Until also I got to college where I noticed like my roommates needed tampons and pads and I never needed any of it because I never had a period. So wait, in high school, so you went from having a a normal period in middle school and then by Mm -hmm. the time high school came, you just didn't even realize a period was not coming on monthly? Right. Can I ask a personal question? Absolutely. At this time, were you sexually active in high school? I was sexually active, uh, lost my virginity at 16 and I stopped having sex around 17 when I got out of that relationship. Not having a period didn't scare you? Did you know that like a missed period was connected to potential pregnancy? (laughs) Right, right. That's why I think that, yeah, I was, I didn't like, sometimes things just like go over my head and I really- Well, not only that, you probably weren't educated to even connecting the two so much. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I think our sex education pretty much stemmed around just you know, not having sex. It wasn't really discussing even ovulation and when Mm -hmm. pregnancy took place. So I'm sure you just figured, well, as long as my belly isn't getting big and I'm not having morning sickness, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. And we were protected at the time. So I didn't think about like getting pregnant at all either. Okay. So you said when you got to college, you realized the people around you, all the women around you were asking for these menstrual products on, Mm -hmm. you know, way more often than you were. So did a conversation then start with a friend before seeking medical attention? It started in the hospital, primary care. So like going to my physicals, they definitely would recommend birth control as an option to help regulate it or to start it or to at least something to appear. Um, so, cause nothing was coming. So definitely in the hospital, I didn't talk about it with my friends as much, more like a mental observation, like, oh shit, they get periods. I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so when you went to your primary care physician, Mm -hmm. you said that they pretty much just suggested birth control to regulate it, but was there not a diagnosis during then? Did they tell you what it could be? Were there any conversations that what all of the possibilities could be because of the missed period? I feel like I am just a product of Black women health being ignored. So I'll start there. And the diagnosis was very dismissive. And Mm. the only solution was birth control, but just kind of like, oh, you have PCOS, birth control, you should be all set. Never an in-depth conversation about how, why, when, how to treat it, how to take care of it. Let's also monitor it in the next three months, in the next six months, in the next, you know, like there wasn't really any follow up either. Now, what outside of the missed period, what other symptoms did you have? I I assume you started doing some of your own research to see even because, you know, we go into a hospital and they just start yelling out these letters, these acronyms or these big words. And we're like, okay, you're speak English to me. Right. So when they said PCOS, did you go and do your own research? And what other symptoms did you realize that you had as well? Um, I didn't do my research when I was diagnosed in my adolescence. It was more as technology became more available to us on our smartphones and things like that, which was more like college, post-college was when I started doing research on PCOS. They're always going to recommend most likely birth control. They're going to tell you (sighs) to lose weight. So, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, losing weight is definitely something they're going to recommend because in my case, 
on the BMI scale that doesn't accommodate, again, to the black bodies of this world, obesity is what they have diagnosed me with as well. So they're definitely uh, birth control and weight loss is what they recommended for treatment. Okay, so one of the interesting things when you reached out to me as well, and again, I'm not sure if there has been further research on it, but you Mm -hmm. actually mentioned something about relaxing your hair being associated Mm -hmm. as well to the disappearance of your period. Can we talk about that? Because I know that relaxing hair is definitely something that, you know, our community experience more younger. I don't think a lot of people relax their hair as often mm-hmm. um, because we are in this natural hair embracing of our curls and kinks. But can you talk right. to me about how you connected the relaxer to your menstrual cycle? Well, I have to bring it back to uh, my mother's health. Um, my okay. mother was a licensed cosmetologist. She did our hair our whole lives. She did the hair of mine, my sister, my cousins, everyone. And she was exposed to um, relaxer chemicals for a very, very long time. So she actually has a history of, you know, irregularities with her period. Which, okay. It's just it, her history. I'll just talk about it real quick just because I think it relates a lot to why I have it too. You know, she, she was exposed to all those chemicals, bang, bang, bang. And then in my college year, she was diagnosed with fibroids as well. But her fibroids were so large that she has to get a hysterectomy. Wow. Yeah. So I think it's just, I again, I don't have any like scientific proof. But I, when I did Google relaxers and fibroids, there is a website that talks about black hair relaxers and fibroids. So if you Google that, that will give you definitely a lot more information. But that is um, very interesting. Very interesting, right? And then can I add another interesting part? Oh God. When I stopped relaxing my hair, when I stopped relaxing my hair, my period came. Wow. Yes. Again, I'm not like here researching and doing all that, but just observation and how specifically black women have such an issue with P- uh, are more likely to be diagnosed with PCOS, are more likely to have irregularities. And then on top of that, we have that PHL word that is uh, erupts our hormones. Okay. I mean, come on, there has to be a connection. No, you're right. And what's crazy too is that fibroids is linked to affecting black women more than any other race as well. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, when I saw that you brought up the relaxing thing in, in your email, I was just like, aha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I have heard of how toxic, you know, of, of how toxic relaxers are. I mean, yeah. it's literally chemicals that are seeping into your scalp. And the same way that we talk about how many toxins are even in the menstrual products and how that has affected us over all these years as well. I completely see the connection. Like, so let's get into after your PCOS diagnosis, you kind of, I guess, got a little bit more familiar with going to a primary care physician and getting your checkups. Can you let me know what ended up showing up uh, during one of your visits as well that led to, I guess, more some more complications? During an ultrasound probably like 2018, I did an ultrasound and they found two fibroids. One. Can I uh, ask you mm -hmm. one moment? Can I ask you real quick with the diagnosis? Is that why you were given an ultrasound or how often is an ultrasound given when you just go to the doctor? Cause you know, I normally, normally those 
there has to be a reason for ultrasound, right? Yeah. My primary would recommend me to a GYN and the GYN would recommend an ultrasound because okay. they want to see what's in there, if there's anything that's... Oh, uh, because of... Uh, so PCOS, poly ovary. Polycystic Polycystic ovary syndrome. Ovary syndrome. They, <laughs> oops. <laughs> they um they want to also monitor if you have cysts in your ovary. Gotcha. And for me, again, that's another symptom, another okay. symptom for a diagnosis. There were no excessive cysts in my ovaries. Okay. However, there were there were fibroids. But they were fibroids, yes. Okay. And how did they discuss with you about the fibroids. I know you said when you got the diagnosis of PCOS, they mm-hmm. were real nonchalant about it. Mm-hmm. What was the conversation regarding the two fibroids that were found? Also nonchalant. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it, huh? <laughs> um, they said that they are benign and small and less than a centimeter. So do not worry about them. However, every time I go to the GYN, I always ask for ultrasound and always ask to monitor them because again, you are your biggest advocate and they um, recommend to monitor every three years. Okay. To make sure that it does not grow in size and given my mother's situation, uh, I definitely am on top of that. So with PCOS and fibroids, I guess, let me ask you now, has the period regulated and has this also caused issues in terms of fertility for you? What has those conversations been like for you as you're getting older? As I'm getting older, my period has not regulated. Okay. Um, I tried to do this trick where I was like, I'm going to go on birth control for one month because I hate being on birth control. It just turns you into an evil biatch. <laughs> so I was like, no, on the birth control, but I'll do it for one month because it was getting to the point where like right now I have my period, holla, but <laughs> I haven't had it in 93 days. So oh. it's like a whole three months, a whole three months. Just came from a physical and the doctor was definitely trying to push me to more natural remedies, including weight loss and diet and exercise and things like that over birth control because she's a black provider and she does not like birth control either. So it has still not been regular. Okay. All right. So let's get into... We know kind of what PMS is. A Mm -hmm. lot of us associate our crankiness, our grogginess, our attitudes, our mood swings to kind of that, that week to a few days leading up to our period. Let's talk about what that has looked like for you who doesn't necessarily get a monthly period, but I know that you've kind of come across something not only in your therapy session, but in your own research. So can we talk about that? So PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Yes. Right. How did you come money. across that? Um, <laughs> P- <laughs> so shout out to my fiance. So we talked about infertility. I'm banging coochies, so we're okay. good. But boom. boom. But as I got into a relationship, I was single before 10 years. Okay. And then I got into a relationship. And All then right. she noticed that... I'll be good for one week. And then three weeks prior to the period or what should be a period time, because you're even though you have a lack of period, you still go through the cycle and the motion. The cycle. Yep. Luteal and all that. So 
it she noticed that right before the period I just get into these moods and it was just like at that time I wasn't really doing the work for self-healing I wasn't really doing the shadow work I wasn't really working on myself and things like that so I would just get into these moods where I just don't want to talk to nobody I don't want to be bothered by anybody my rage oof when we talk about PMDD, we're talking about <laughs> rage and fierce rage. Like you are pissed at the world for the most smallest things. And um, she notices like, why are you like like this? And then just to bring it back, one day I was driving and I just, I was driving and I was at a stop sign and something in my mind said, you should crash the car. Whoa, this was, you were driving by yourself? Driving by myself. Day. I literally was just with her and I, I stepped out to grab something from the store. Okay. And I was already in my funk for the day. Okay. And I was, I was at a stop a light and I literally told my, like there was a, it was kind of like at a fork and then okay. I was looking straight ahead and I said, you should crash the car into the wall. And that right there was like, you need help. You had like never, this, like, this thought just came out of nowhere. Like, I had I, I know, never had I you suicidal said, ideation before. Never. Okay, now I know you said that you would have rage and mood swings, but mm -hmm. did you feel anxiety? Did you feel depression? Were those also feelings as well? Or was, mm -hmm. was it just a rage of anger? Was it everything? Everything. Okay. Anxiety, depression, rage. And this was happening on a monthly basis. Monthly basis. Okay, so... Like, so much I didn't even like myself. Like, I didn't even want to fuck with me. <laughs> like, it was wow. bad. Um, because so, it's like PMS, but times a thousand. So you have this thought. Thank God you were also willing to just control those thoughts. Yes, thank God. What happened when you got home? Did you share? How long before you shared this thought or feeling in your mind before you decided to get help? I believe... If I'm not mistaken, I, when I got back to the house, I told her right away because I knew how dangerous the situation was. Right. And her solution or her suggestion at that point was to seek therapy, correct? Mm, yes, definitely therapy. Okay. So how and when, how long did it take? Again, I know that we're in an era where mental health and therapy is so much more normalized now. Yeah. Um, but what was that conversation like? Uh, with and, her and, and with her and also seeking a provider for therapy luckily I'm blessed and I was employed at the time okay. and um, I took advantage of my job's EAP program a okay. employee assistance program so they were able to match me with a licensed therapist to and I had five free sessions and then okay. afterwards I was able to have my insurance cover partial and then I would pay out of pocket the copay. So luckily I was, I've always been open to therapy. I was going to therapy prior to that, but I knew I had to be a little more specific about the topic, including PMDD, because it, it takes over your life. Like, Did you specifically uh, seek out a female therapist? Did you specifically seek out a black woman therapist? Like, did you go into that? And then when you did speak to her, or him, once you answer that, what was the conversation like about announcing your diagnosis and what you thought the connection was? Definitely did seek a Black female therapist, and I was okay. able to get it through the EAP program. And awesome. then when those sessions 
with her ended, I still seeked a female black therapist. And luckily I've been with her since to this day. And she's amazing. She can recognize what PMDD is. She did her research okay. on it. She oh, wow. did not dismiss it as just, oh, it's all in your head or anything like that. What she actually taught me, which was a game changer for me, is cognitive distortion. Okay, can we talk about that? Yeah, so Cognitive Distortion is just like that rap song. I can't remember the artist, but your mind is playing tricks on you. And your mind does that. And you shouldn't believe every single thought that your mind produces because it Mm. can cause you harm. In Cognitive Distortions, there's a list of things, but it includes like overthinking, catastrophic thinking, thinking that all or nothing. Or sometimes that something... Girl, are you reading me right uh, now? Am I reading the room? You am I reading the room? You know what's crazy? <laughs> and I didn't know the word for it. So yeah. I'm one of those, like, mm-hmm. if my, and my ex now, I am single now, but my partner used to always ask me, like, why do you think that way? So mm-hmm. if he didn't answer my call or he was like five minutes late of even picking me up, I immediately went into, he had a car accident. Uh, he's dead. Um, Catastrophic thinking. Like going into tears, like, what am I going to do? I got to go to his funeral. How, who's <laughs> going to tell me? Like, do, do his brothers have my number? Like, and it would just create these ongoing, like. And it's an avalanche effect un- and it gets yes, worse it and is. worse and worse. So you're talking to your therapist who's familiar with PMDD mm-hmm. that you, you know, that is also attached to a woman's menstrual. Yeah. Cycle. What are some tips that she gave you? Because girl, I don't know how to get over overthinking. I don't know how to get over the catastrophic thinking of scenarios in my mind. So what were some of those things to help you also get out of this suicidal ideation? For me, self-talk is huge. So when a cognitive distortion enters my mind, I immediately identify it. I talk to myself and say, that's not true. I know it's like simple. It's just like, that's not true. (laughs) No, say rappers, you know, you know, might you might want to put on some meditation music. You might want to put on some light a candle. You can meditate. You ever heard about fire meditation? No. You can light a candle and literally stare at the flame and think about nothing. Try to. I know it's hard because thinking about nothing is hard. (laughs) Thinking about nothing is hard. But if you really train your mind to understand, like, hey, I might have some thoughts in my head that are a little out of pocket. I don't have to believe every single one of them, especially the ones that are self destructive and could fuck up your relationships too. Because, like you said, he might not have answered you in 30 minutes, but he just might be taking a shower. Or he not, might just or, be getting the mail. Or he, just looking for a parking spot. He might just work. be looking for a parking spot on the way to your house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just remind yourself that not every thought is true. And okay. oh, also, you know what's a good thing that is part of that? What evidence do I have to back up this idea? No evidence? It ain't there. It ain't real. Oh. What evidence do I have to prove this thought? Is there evidence? Is there? Is there? Is there? Maybe not. Oh, your therapist is good. She real good. Shout out to her. Your therapist is good. I want to ask you as well, now that you're going through therapy, I want to know because you are in a relationship with a woman. And again, Mm -hmm. I talk about too how none of our experiences are the same. 
what the conversations have been like with her regarding the patience, even for her to have Mm -hmm. with, you know, dealing with a woman Mm -hmm. who is going through therapy for PMDD, who has PCOS, who, you know, has these, these things that maybe she doesn't. Uh, What are those conversations like and how has she worked through as a partner with accepting it? So L's up to Libras in the world because Libras are loyal as a motherfucker, okay? They are. are, Y'all are true angels. My mom's a Libra. She's a Libra. And y'all have a way of just being very understanding and empathetic. And that's the way she is. She has been very important in this process of beyond just PMDD, just like she is a light and life partner for me. So it's like, we are trying to both aspire to be our higher selves. And with that, we have, we've fallen, we made mistakes, but you know, but we're always willing to get back up and move past it. I have to give a shout out to Lady in the Stud podcast because they do an episode on PMDD. And one time she wrote into them for me and they responded and gave some answers back to her to like how as a partner I can support you as you have PMDD. So amazing. I think. And their advice did help as well with her and your relationship. It did because the podcast is, you know, two lesbian, it's a lesbian couple who one partner also watched her partner deteriorate in front of her, you know? And once they found the diagnosis of PMDD, they were able to work to find better solutions. And sometimes it's just going back to the five love languages, right? Like, I know she's in a bad mood. Let me make her some dinner. Let me make her life a little easier with some acts of services. Let me, with words of affirmation, tell her, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous. You're the love of my life. You know, let me spend some quality time with her. Let's watch a show together so we can like distract the mind off of that. I would definitely recommend using the five love languages. If you are a partner who has somebody, your partner has PMDD, how can I be supportive? I think that could be one way of doing it. You dropped all of the gems here today. No, seriously, like normally I'll, I'll sit here and say, now, do you have any advice? But throughout every piece of your journey, you were able to acknowledge what the problem was and how you found a solution and share that with the people listening today. Yeah. Can I also, can I give one more piece of advice for, um, I was going to ask for one more. I was (laughs) going to ask for one more. So so, give us some more. So Candice, she is a popular choreographer in LA, I believe. Okay. She has the Carmore show with her husband or fiance. Yes. Um, uh, Jamal J- Omar Bolden. Omar Bolden. Omar. Okay, cool. So, Candace, I have to say thank you to you because she shared her PCOS journey on her YouTube page. Oh, wow. Okay. And she actually sat down with her GYN. Okay. And in her video, she explains, the doctor explains everything about PCOS. Every symptom that you can have, how you can be diagnosed, and how you can be treated. Because another option, another symptom is hair loss. So she gives you weight gain, weight loss options. She gives you medication for hair loss. She gives so you, there's wait real quick. So mm-hmm. it's excessive hair gain or hair, hair loss. loss. I did not know that. And okay. you know, a lot of us have traction alopecia. 
Okay. So sometimes it's not just attract. It's not attributed to the tight hairstyles you wear. It could be attributed to PCOS. Ah. Mm-hmm. So so we went over so the symptoms. If you're listening to this podcast and, you know, because you just brought up two new symptoms Mm -hmm. uh, that I believe I may have not shared on this show. So we know that PCOS, you have the irregular periods, Mm -hmm. you have the weight gain, Mm -hmm. you have the excessive hair, but now in addition, it could be an excessive amount of hair loss. Mm -hmm. Give me some more. Um... Those ir- are kind of yeah, those are kind of it. Irregular period. We said that. Yep, we yep, said that yep, first. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then that video goes into so much more detail that it can also might bring up symptoms that we have not discussed yet. Okay. Well, hopefully, um, maybe what we can do is add a insert a clip, um, from that episode on mm-hmm. YouTube into this episode. And if you guys want to hear more, definitely check out Candace's YouTube. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm ho- I hope this is a resource for all of you because those resources have helped me and I hope it helps more women in the future. And this is what the show is all about. I love that. And guys, you guys will be able to find that salty article uh, that was mentioned as well. That's where we got the title for this week's episode. Stephanie came across a salty article saying, does your period make you suicidal? And so the link to that article will be in the description of this episode, as well as the link to Candace's YouTube video with her guy. Now I'm definitely going to look into that and make sure you stay tuned for some stats and facts. Stephanie, do you have anything else to say before we get out of here? Peace and love to all y'all listening. It is a journey. It is a process. It unfortunately does take over your life, but it doesn't end it. So I I just say push forward, be your own advocate, do your own research. And what works for you works for you. It's there's no, unfortunately, one cookie cutter solution, especially to PCOS, especially with how complex the disorder is and how little research there is on it. But unfortunately, how common it is, especially among us black women. Well, definitely, Stephanie. I was definitely. Say, I like definitely, that. I like that. I'm gonna steal that. Stephanie. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> uh, Look at me. Not me. Not me creating your name into a fucking word. Um, no, but it's definitely been a pleasure. And again, Thank I am you. gonna drop you guys some stats and facts if you stay tuned. So we'll be right back. Bye. Bye. There is such a stigma attached to PMS. It's like a joke now, you know, and I really despise that in all honesty because I've seen plenty of men catch like a basic common cold and act like a baby. And it's like, please, you couldn't deal with this. You want to make fun, but you couldn't deal with it for five minutes. So if you also suffer from PMDD, I support any decision that you make to go down any course of treatment that you want to. 